Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is your host, Juan Gray, and welcome to the Words to Success show. On here, we have raw conversations with the most incredible, influential, and fascinating minds on the planet that help you get closer to your own version of personal success. On today's episode, I am bringing on Aaron Walker, who is a veteran, entrepreneur, and a business magnet. This guy is the founder of the mastermind Iron Chipens Iron and is passionate about helping others achieve their best life. On today's episode, we dive deep into his early beginnings starting his first company, where he discusses the keys that made him win early on in life after years of hard work. He also explains how perseverance, dedication, and grit are the most important aspects to becoming successful in any field, and he shares how a car accident that he had changed the outlook of his life forever. This and so much more. We have a lot more exciting episodes coming, so make sure you guys stay tuned over the next couple of weeks because we got a surprise coming as well. Now, enjoy the show. Vamos. Vamos. Fear missing an opportunity more than they fear failure. There's no quit in me. I don't give up. I work consistently every single day. And that's what's got me to where we're at now. So you got to be proactive. See, success doesn't come knocking on our door. We have to go after it. I decide what I want. I do not have the shiny object syndrome. I write down my plan. I get people to hold me accountable. And I execute on that every single day. Aaron Walker, welcome to the most badass show on the planet, my man. How do you do? Hey, Juan, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Big A. Nice to you. Thanks nice for having you. me, man. It's, yeah, I'm excited to be your guest, man. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, brother. So, man, let's let's begin because you you've done a lot within business, within right now your masterminds. You're doing a lot. There's there's uh, where do you think we should start for people who don't know you? Aha! Uh-huh. Let me go back to the beginning. How's that? So I'll give you just a little overview of who we are and what we do. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and native Nashvilleian one. I've been here almost 60 years, and I absolutely love Nashville. It is growing like nobody's business right now. It's a fun place to be, and I love how proactive we are and progressive. It's just a great city to live in. When I was 18, Juan, I opened my first business, had a couple of partners, and I was very fortunate to be able to sell out. When I was 27 years old, I retired, and I'm like, man, this is awesome. Go from broke, I had no money, to being able to retire at 27. And what I found out, Juan, that that didn't scratch the itch like I thought it was going to. Got pretty bored, got fat and lazy over the next 18 months and went back built another company um, to about four times the size it was when I bought it. And then August 1st, 2001, I had an automobile accident on my way to the office and uh, really, really changed the trajectory of my life. Took about four or five years off, went back to work, built some other companies. And then eight years ago, I retired for the final time, I thought. And then I launched View from the Top, and now we have... 15 masterminds with members from nine different countries, and I'm having the time of my life. It's hard to condense 41 years into a two-minute intro, but that's the gist of our background. Absolutely. Yeah, and Nashville is a, is a beautiful city. of Well, that's what I've heard, you know, and as a musician, there's a lot of songwriters over there. Oh man, this is the music capital, I believe. Yeah, there's there's musicians on every corner. Yeah, but it's fun, you know. We have a lot of great musicians and we get a lot of great music as a result of it. 
Definitely, definitely. Man, and okay, so from a business standpoint, you started your first company when you were in your 20s? 18. 18, 18, and then you sold it at 27, yeah? 27 to a Fortune 500. They're based in Fort Worth, Texas, yep. And so how, if we can, you know, take a, take a, a little dive in there, I find that super sure. interesting, obviously not sure. pretty common. So how, how was, what was that business about? How did that start? And, and, and what, okay. go, go through the process a little bit with me. Well, we got to go a little further back. So when I was 13 years old, my dad hired me to help him in the construction business that he was in. And we were poor, Juan. We didn't have any money at all. I mean, we lived in a 600-square-foot house, four children, two adults. And my dad never made over $15,000 a year in his life. I mean, he was a great man of character, but he just was not a good business person. And when I was 13, I helped him one summer and we took a beauty shop and turned it into a pawn shop. And I never even heard of a pawn shop. I didn't even know what a pawn shop was. And I fell in love with that business. By the time I was 15, I'd figured out a way to get out of school early. So I went to night school and summer school for about 18 months. The beginning of my junior year in high school, I had enough credits to graduate, so I didn't have to go. So I started working every day, and about a year and a half into that, I met a couple of guys that had a lot of money. They owned the 21st largest insurance agency in the country, and they were buying a lot of diamonds and gold from me at the pawn shop, and I said, what are you doing with all this diamonds and gold? They said, we're hedging against inflation, and we're taking all this, and we're putting it in a lockbox at the bank, and if the market ever turns down, we'll be able to sell the diamonds and gold and hedge against inflation. So I started thinking about that, and I said, hey, can I talk to you privately? And he said, sure. I said, I want to come to your office. So I went to his office, and I said, have you ever thought about going in the pawn shop business? And he started laughing, and he said, how old are you? I said, I'm 18. He said, we've never had anybody 18 years old approach us. And I said, well, hey, there's a first time for everything. And he said, what do you know about the pawn business? I said, I've been in it since I was 13. And he said, but how much experience can you have? And I said, I've worked every day for the past five years. So to make a long story short, Juan, he said, what would it cost to open it? I went two weeks out and did my homework, came back in two weeks, and I said, it'll cost $150,000 to open the pawn shop. Now, Juan, in the 70s, that was a lot of money. It's a lot of money today, but it was really a lot of money to me then. Well, I didn't know it, but they were checking on me in our community, and they found out I was a pretty good guy, and they agreed to do it. So I had a third, they had two thirds and we opened the pawn shop. I got married a year later, two weeks out of high school when my wife graduated. And I said, Robin, we can't mess this up. So we poured all the resources back into the company. Every dollar I made, I paid on that 10 year loan. That's what we set it up, a 10 year loan. And I paid it off in 36 months. So I was 21 years old. I had a paid for pawn shop and I said, I can do it again. And I did. And then I repeated that four times. When I was 27 years old, Cash America uh, was trying to come to Nashville. And they came and said they wanted to buy me. And I said, I wasn't for sale. They came back in 90 days. They said, we still want to buy you. I said, I'm still not for sale. And 30 days later, they came back and they said, Mr. Walker, everything's for sale. You've got the nicest pawn shops in Nashville and we want to buy you. And I said, I'm not for sale. He said, hypothetically, if you were for sale, how much would you take? And I thought, well, they're making me mad now because they won't leave me alone. And I just threw a number out to get rid of them. And they said, we'll take it. And I said, what? And they said, we'll take it. We want to be in Nashville and you've got the best stores. We want your stores. So three months later, Juan, I woke up and I was retired. 
and that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And you see, it all just started with you asking to speak privately, right? So you got to be proactive. See, success doesn't come knocking on our door. We have to go after it. Definitely. How 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 was that feeling afterwards? So let's just say three months after when you were retired, how did you feel different? And had your philosophy in life kind of changed any any way than when you first were, were getting started in the business? Well, to be honest with you, Juan, I was much more afraid when I started <laughs> than when I ended. But when I got in the car, when I left the bank signing a $150,000 loan and I had a checkbook, and they told me to go open a store. I wanted to throw up. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, this is real. You know what I'm saying? So I went out mm -hmm. and did it, and we delayed gratification, and we poured every dollar back into it. When I sold out, to be honest, it was amazing. I mean, you think about 18 years old coming from a very poor family and then being able to retire nine years later. I mean, it felt pretty good. But the truth of the matter is I'm being dead level honest with you. I know you got a lot of young listeners that are listening to me today. It didn't scratch the itch like I thought it was going to. To be very honest with you, I went to Florida. I was going to spend the summer there with my two small children and my wife, and I lasted three weeks. And I said, I don't know, Robin. I said, something doesn't feel right about this. I said, I'm 27. I'm playing golf every day. I go fishing every day. I come home and sit on the couch and watch TV. Something doesn't feel right. And she said, well, you've been working since you were 13, you know, and I guess that it's just difficult to get used to. And I said, no, what feels funny is, is that I'm not being productive and I don't really have any purpose and there's no why to me getting up each and every day. And a lot of people listening to me right now are like, dude, I'll trade places with you. And I understand that. I understand. I don't want to make what I'm saying uh, unimportant. It's very important. But what happens is, is you find out that every day feels as though it's being wasted because you're not making any progress. There's no purpose in your life. There's no meaning in your life because you're just existing now to have a good time. So 18 months later, Juan, she woke me up from a nap in the middle of the, you know, middle of the day, not in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day. She said, this is not what I signed up for. You've gained 50 pounds and you're getting in the bed in the middle of the day. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? She goes, go start another company or go buy another company. Get out of the house. I don't care what you do. And so I went back to the pawn shop I started with and I said, hey, let me work here one day a week. He said, have you already spent all that money? And I said, no, I haven't spent it, but I need something to do. Well, I started working there and then business started growing. So I started loaning the company money because I had the resources and we started growing and then we outgrew it. And I went to him one day, my partner, wasn't my partner at the time, is the guy I used to work for. And I said, why don't I go in partners with you and let's really take this thing to another level? And we agreed to do that. So for the next nine years, we quadrupled his business. We built a new building and it was insane. I mean, what we did with that business because we were both working three days a week. I'd work three, he'd work three. And we did that for nine years and we just took it to the next level. Here's the thing, Juan. I'm not the smartest tack in the box. I'm not. I didn't even go to college, right? I got right out of high school, even early got out of high school. I tell everybody, you know, I'm a dropout. <laughs> I didn't even walk the line, you know, until two years later, I went back and walked the line with my class. But it's my perseverance, grit, and determination that got me where I'm at. Like, there's no quit in me. I don't give up. I work consistently every single day. 
And that's what's gotten me to where we're at now. We've owned 14 businesses over the course of 41 years now. Absolutely. So what, what advice do you have or what do you tell people who don't know how to implement that in their life, like that grit, that determination? Do you have any advice for people to, because I, I feel yeah. like it's mm-hmm. something that you, you, you had ingrained in you since you were young, right? So it's, it was kind of part of who you were. Obviously, you had to work at it. And the more you do that, the more it becomes part of, of your identity and who you believe you are. And that's just you. And when that's just you, those, you your, your actions are going to follow because it's part of, of who you are. So what advice do you have for people who are maybe not in that position right now, but they do want to change? Well, the most important thing you just said was they've got to want to change. Uh, you can't impose this feeling on anybody. You can't. I can't make you on have this determination and perseverance. It's got to come from within. Now, you can get coaches and mentors and mastermind groups and accountability groups. You can get people to help you. But the first ticket is you've got to want to do it. When I was a child, my mom had a saying. First of all, let me tell you this. She would not allow us to say can't. She would say, you might not be able to do it, but you're going to try. And she had a saying that said, can't, couldn't do it, and could did it all. And when I was a kid, I hated that. I was like, man, quit saying that. Well, what happened was is she forced me to try some things. She was actually pushing me through upper limit challenges. She wasn't even aware that she was doing that, but she was pushing me through upper limit challenges. And by her pushing me, I started gaining self-aware, self-confidence. My self-esteem went up because the things she pushed me to do, I could do. And so I thought, dang, I can do this. I mean, like if I just try a little bit. So now over the course of 40 years, I've developed a mentality. I can do it. Like, what is it you want me to do? You give me enough time, the resources, a mentor, a coach. You give me the time to experience this. I can figure this out. So it's a mindset shift. Carol Dweck talks about it in her book, Mindset. I don't want to be around people with fixed mindsets. I want to be around people with growth mindsets. And that's what I'm talking about. You have to convince yourself, hey, I can do that. And that's the reason I have an inordinate amount of extreme ability to focus because I decide what I want. I do not have the shiny object syndrome. I write down my plan. I get people to hold me accountable and I execute on that every single day. Brian Moran wrote a great book called The 12 Week Year. And if you're listening to this, if you don't get anything out of what I'm talking about today, you need to order that book. I told Brian Moran recently, I said, I've sold more of these books than you have. And he started laughing. But it helps you get on a productivity schedule to where you follow the lead indicators every single day. There's tasks you do and you accomplish your goal in a 12 week period. And then you repeat that the next 12 weeks. We grow our businesses 35% a year using that strategy. Yeah, because most people, when they're doing yearly goals, right, what happens is after two months, three months, you're just like, you know what, it all all kind of falls off, right? So I like that, you know, when you're doing within 12 weeks, you have that time to see, okay, this is what I have accomplished. And and life is always changing. There's different opportunities that come up, uh, different things that happen that you need to be able to to go with and and uh, be moldable, right? So that's what I think you're you're talking about in that 12-week period. It allows you to to really be focused during that set of time and then take it to the next level when the next 12 weeks come. We see procrastination is our biggest enemy. 
It's like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it next quarter. I'll do it next year. But when you have the 12-week year and you have two goals that you want to accomplish and you break that down into the task that you need to do each and every day, that's the guy that's successful because day in and day out, the consistency of completing the task will get you to the goal. Yeah. Let me let me ask you something, Big A. When you are... When you are deciding on a goal, what is it that what is it that you you do? Like you're going to create a plan. You said you were asking for people to be accountable. So accountability is very important. But I think different people do it in different ways. How do you? How many people do you ask? Uh, do you have a set like a set group of friends of people that are your yeah. accountability partners? How do you go about that? Well, okay, that's a great question. And I surround myself with a lot of people to hold me accountable in every area of my life. For 30 years now, I've been meeting every Friday with three guys on Friday morning, six o'clock for 30 years. I'm on my third group right now. I've worn out, I've worn out Juan, three groups, but it's imperative that we do that because see, if isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if you want your life to go to the next level, you've got to be involved in community, whether that be small groups, mastermind groups, accountability groups, you've got to surround yourself with competent people. Let me tell you what I call it. I call it ARP. And mastermind groups are very, very uh, masterful at doing this. First of all, the A is association. When you're in a group of people, you have great association. The second A is accountability. And we all need accountability. The third is R, relationships. And then the P is perspective. So when you have associations, accountability, relationships, and perspective, your whole life changes. And I spend about 25% of my time monthly building and developing relationships. It's the number one asset in your toolbox, building those relationships. So you have to have a lot of accountability to operate at the level that we do because it's tiring. You get to the end of the day or end of the week, it's like, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. And somebody's going, ah, you said you wanted to do it now. So we're going to do it now. And you get this team around you to push you. That's what my masterminds have done for me. Dave Ramsey, you may or may not know who that is, invited me to join his mastermind group a couple of decades ago. Dave and I have been best friends since the early 90s. I was the second sponsor he had when he started his radio show here in Nashville, and I sponsored his show 21 consecutive years. So we built up a very, very strong friendship and a bond. He invited me to join his mastermind group. And Dave's a get-it-done kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to tell him, hey, I'm going to do this, and you don't do it. He calls you out. We had nine other guys in there that would do the same thing. And we met for a dozen years in his office every single Wednesday for an hour and a half. Well, see, that's the reason I started these mastermind groups that we have now, 15 of them. And we have guys from all over the world that we come together in this video conference. And we're about getting it done personally, professionally, spiritually, whatever it is that you want to accomplish. We're there to get it done. We're not a coffee club. I mean, we're there. It's not for the faint at heart. It's for guys that really want to move the needle. And when you get around people like that, Jim Rohn says we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Well, if you want to know what your life's going to look like, look at your friends. And the average of that is probably what you're going to be. I don't know about you, Juan, but I want to live an adventuresome life. So I'm going to surround myself with people that can help take me to that next level. I play golf. I'm a pretty avid golfer. But I only want to play golf with people better than me because it brings me up. 
right? It teaches me how to make those shots. If I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. And I need to get people around me to hold me accountable, to help me achieve my goals. So for creating masterminds, which is something that, that you are, you're actually creating a program about, right? That's correct. It's called the mastermind playbook. Right. So, so what, what is like your, your best pieces of advice for people who want to create masterminds? So let's just say I'm someone who, who has maybe a certain, um, a certain skill set or a certain following. What is it that you actually advise so that people actually begin masterminds? And then how do they actually uh, start that? Well, yeah, it would take a few minutes to go through every aspect of it, but I'll give you the general overview and the highlights. First of all, I want you to really think through if that's your best use of time. A lot of people don't necessarily have the skills uh, or the ability to lead and facilitate and to fill up masterminds. So you have to think through that. You don't have to have every answer, but you do have to have the systems and the processes. Uh, Thematically, you need to be able to understand how to run those. You've got to be able to gather, you know, the uh, applicants or the avatars that you serve to get them in the group. So you need to think through long and hard. If you are the person for that, a lot of people that are podcast hosts, authors, uh, various business people, I have people now coming to me wanting me to train and teach them that are industry specific. There's a lot of people that are saying, hey, I'm in this specific industry. I'm going to start a mastermind for, you know, you fill in the blank, whatever industry that is. There are other people that come and say, hey, I want to do one that's all encompassing, you know, personally, professionally, every area of your life. There's other people that just say, hey, I want a personal mastermind, no business. So you got to think through, Juan, what is uh, it that you're trying to accomplish? The bigger thing is, is that uh, what message is it that you're trying to share with the world? See, for me, it's how to live a successful and significant life. Let me tell you where that came from. It's part of my story, and we haven't talked about it. Normally, it takes a lot of time to talk about this, but that second business I built, I was there for nine years, and by this time, I was 40 years old, and I was headed to the office. It was 7.30 in the morning, August 1st, 2001, and I ran over and killed a pedestrian on my way to the office. And Juan, my life come to a screeching halt. I'm just telling you, man, my life was so good. We had all the toys and the tangible possessions and, you know, the power, the prestige, the recognition, success. We had all that stuff, but none of that mattered that day. When I ran over and killed that guy that day, everything came to a screeching halt. And I actually, and I don't mind going into this just for a minute, for those that are listening that are having to overcome some real obstacles in their life, I'm actually about to write a book uh, about overcoming some things. But I had to think, man, what would my legacy have been had that been me that got killed? And I started thinking about that, and I said, here's what it would have been. Poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes a lot of money, retires at 27, and nobody cares. And I started feeling bad about that. And I said, that's not what I want. What I want is, is for Juan's life and others' lives to be better as a result of having known me. That's what I want. And that really changed the way I started thinking. And I said, not only success, but the piece I was missing was significance. See, I had a beautiful home up on top of a hill. Juan, we had this place. It was beautiful. It was gated. 
186 trees in the front yard, big house, concrete driveway. You know what I'm saying? But I was, I had built a cavern between me and a lot of my friends and the people that knew me. I wasn't that close to because I kind of isolated myself, place on the beach, stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm not minimizing it. I hate it when people with money go, money's not important. I want to go, you liar. It is important. Let's take it away from you. We'll see how important it is, but don't make it your God. Don't make it the only reason that you're working. And I always tell people, if you're working to retire, change your attitude. You need to enjoy what you're doing because life is so fragile, Vaughn. I mean, in a nanosecond, your life can change forever. And I started thinking about that. And I said, I want to be a giver not a taker. I want to help other people accomplish their goals. And Juan, you don't know this, but uh, I've done over 1,200 podcast interviews now in the past 48 months because I want my message to get out there and I want people to have great success, but I want them to have a lot of significance. And you can really do that. We teach and train people every day how to have both of those. And so that's the reason I started the Mastermind Groups. I'm trying to get people now to understand it's not just the money. It can be a high level of significance as well. Mm. Well, that's powerful, man. That's really powerful. When, when you actually were at that lowest point in your life and when you say that nothing mattered, how is it like, what is it that you started thinking about? What is it that, that was going through your, your mind and how did you overcome that? So, when that happened, it happened in about three seconds. I was driving. I had a brand new 2001 Lincoln Navigator, big candy apple red Lincoln Navigator. I just bought it. And I was going down a four-lane highway, and I saw this guy crossing the street, and he paused in the middle of the median. And I thought, you know, he was waiting on me to pass, and he was. He was going to catch a bus that was in the far lane. So I sped back up, and when I did, he took off running just hard as he could go. He thought he was going to catch the bus. I found out later that he couldn't see good. He'd been warned over and over. His name was Enrique, and he was 77 years old, and uh, he just didn't see me. He just didn't see me coming. I didn't get in trouble or anything like that, but the minute I hit that guy, I pulled over to the side of the road, and I was scared. I didn't want to turn around and look. And I finally got the courage up and, and I got my phone and I tried to dial 911 and I, I couldn't dial the number. My hand was shaking so hard I, I couldn't dial the number. So finally, I put my palms together and I held my fingers steady and I dialed 911, turned around and looked. And this guy's face down in the street. Cars are stopping everywhere. It's a four lane highway, it's very busy. People jumping out of their cars and the ambulance and police cars and fire trucks and everything started coming and I got out and I ran over there and I said, God, please let this guy be okay. And uh, they put him on a gurney and I said, is he alive? And they said, yeah, he's alive, but he's got severe head trauma. So I was on a Wednesday morning and they called me on Saturday at 9.30 from Vanderbilt Trauma Unit here in Nashville. They said, Mr. Walker, he didn't make it. And I even think back today, you know, I, you know, that guy's a husband, a dad, he's a father, uh, and his life just was taken just like, just like that. And I started thinking the things that I was worried about didn't seem too important after that. And when I start thinking about all these businesses and the trials and, you know, money flow and things like that, I'm like, that's not a problem. 
uh, we can fix that. Money can fix things, you know, and so we'll, we'll fix that. But when your life is gone, it's like it's over. And so that's the reason that I really look at life differently now because it's so fragile and it can be taken so quick. And all we really have, Juan, is relationships. It's the people around us, our family, our friends, our colleagues. And from a business standpoint, if we really flip the dial and we really start thinking about what's important and we really try to add value to other people, you'll be as successful as you could possibly imagine. What we do, though, is we try to make the sale. And I encourage people to stop trying to make the sale and start trying to add value. And you'll be very successful financially. But it's all about the relationship. And for me, it's just teaching people how to make money, how to be successful, but how to be significant in every area of their life. What is something, I'm curious, what's something that you've learned over the last maybe couple of years about nurturing those relationships? Because there's something about creating relationships and always being, sure. you know, cre- creating them and, and, and getting a, a, yeah. a bigger and bigger network so you always know someone, right? But there's yeah. something about you can build and build, uh, you know, uh, a huge network, but then when you, it's not, it, it gets to a point if it's not properly nurtured with the right people, it starts kind of fading away or it starts just drying up, right? Because there's not, it's very wide, but it doesn't go deep and there's no depth. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, uh, what have you learned about that that you can, that you can share? Okay. I know your audience is primarily young. I think you told me 18 to 30. And uh, I have grandchildren uh, from three to 17. My children are 33 and 36. And so I really understand this space. And I'm going to step on a few toes, but that's okay. I'm all right with that. Uh, We have built a life behind the screens. And it really saddens me that that's going on, quite honestly. Now we're able to buy gas, go into the supermarket, go to the restaurants, and we don't have to talk to anybody. We're on Facebook, and to be honest with you, we use it as a platform to promote, but I hate the Facebook persona because what it's depicting is everything is great. Nobody shows their bad pictures. It's all laying on a beach in Hawaii, and, you know, they got money deposited into their bank, and everything's good, and they're sipping on iced tea, and everything's great. So I don't like that. I think that it takes away the reality, and then we get into a comparison. You know, this person's doing that. Why can't I do that? And so we get in this trap relationships, one-on-one talking to people is the key to your success. And people don't know how to build a relationship anymore. And they don't really understand. I said this on an interview recently and the guy looked at me, it was a video interview and he looked at me like a deer in the headlights. I said all the time, literally all the time, I'll pick up the phone and I'll go through my contact list and I'll call people. And here's how the call will go. Hey, Juan, big A here. How's it going? Good, man. How's your wife? Good. Children? Awesome. How's your business? Killer. Anything I can do for you? What do you mean? Anything I can help you with? Do you need a resource? Do you need an introduction? Uh, Anything I can do for you? No, man, I'm good right now, but thank you for calling. Okay, Juan, just checking on you, buddy. Have a good weekend. Feliz fin de la semana. You know, I'm out of here. (laughs) And they're going like, he cares, right? This guy cares. Normally, here's how it goes. Hey, Juan, how's it going? How's your family, et cetera? Hey, man, while I got you on the phone, can I ask you a question? Would you mind introducing me to Billy? And you're like, okay, now we're getting to why you called, right? You didn't call to check on me. See, I reach out through email. I reach out through video. I reach out through text message. I call people. You know why, Juan? Because I care about them. 
And then when it's my turn, I need a book endorsement. I need a video. I need somebody to introduce me. You don't mind helping me because I've been giving, giving, giving. It's the Gary Vanderchuk jab, 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 right hook, right? It's the same. And that is what we've lost. I speak all over the world. I travel and speak. I'm no huge international speaker. I shouldn't have said all over the world, the, the United States. And when I go and speak, normally the way it starts, though, is I'm promoting that venue. Michael Steltzner is a friend of mine, social media marketing world. And the first two years, I was promoting it. I was standing out front doing Facebook Lives. I blog it on it. I tweet on it. I put it on Facebook. He calls me one day. He goes, man, thank you for doing all this. Sure. He goes, would you like to speak at social media marketing world? Yeah, I'd love to do that. See, because I'm always promoting. I'm always helping other people. Juan, that's how you build relationships. Not when you need something, but when you don't need something. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Because if you're always, if you're always, uh, you know, that person that's constantly asking for things instead of, instead of actually showing that you care. And I think it's one of those, one of those, uh, those things that right now in this day and age, like you said, we're so behind living behind that, that screen. And it makes it very hard for people to communicate, even just like in general life, when you want to talk to somebody or you meet a, you meet a, someone you want to connect to, you meet a girl at a bar. It's always just always through that screen. You know, it's, it's very rare that people actually call me. I always make a thing that I, I meet someone like that. I'm just going to give them a phone call and say, Hey, how's it going? You know, it was a pleasure meeting you. I had a great time speaking to you or whatever, but I think it's so, it's so rare. So if, if people actually take the time to connect in a way that's, you know, different and try try to be genuine and actually, actually connect to that person that cares, it's going to make the world difference. Juan, I'll give you a little exercise to do. Everybody listening to this can do this exercise, and it'll happen just in a few minutes uh, once you quit listening to this interview. Your telephone's going to ring, and you're going to look down at the screen, and it's going to say Susie or Tommy or something. In the minute you see that name, something's going to come to your mind. It's either going to be, what does he want? Why is he calling? This is going to suck the life out of me. What does he want to borrow? Or, man, I can't wait to answer this because he brings it. I mean, this guy brings the light, and I can't wait. My question is, is what do people think when Juan's name comes up on their phone? See, we have a reputation. We're building a reputation each and every day. See, I want to be that guy. They go, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to answer this. Big A's on the phone. He's got something exciting to say. He's calling to check on me. There is some reason, and they're excited about it. See, that's what I want. You know what happens at that point? You have just built an amazing relationship. The other way, you're not going to get any help. You're not going to get any resources. You're not going to get any introductions. And you're probably not going to get to borrow whatever you called for. See, we've got to be very intentional about building these relationships, very proactive, and we do it every day, emails, phone calls, messages, video messages, and we do it when we don't want anything. And when you do that, you've started building some amazing relationships. Love it. Amazing brothers. We're, we're actually going to start to start wrapping up, but before we do, I, I'd like to ask you something. So within everything that you've learned in your life and maybe especially over the past couple of years, and you have to write down right now on a piece of paper that I give you the most important things that you would want to pass on to maybe your grandchildren 
or uh, you know, people after after you're gone, and they could put it in that in their pocket, and they could look at that piece of paper every single day. What is it that you would write on that piece of paper, and uh, what would be your words to success? Yeah, well, there's a number of things that I would like to put on that. Uh, I'm a Christian by faith, and so I think paying attention to what this life is going to be today and what the life is going to be hereafter is very important, and I would tell them to pay attention to that. The second thing I would say is I want you to develop a mindset of can't, couldn't do it, and could, did it all. And then I would tell people to fear missing an opportunity more than they fear failure. And if you would incorporate those three things, you'll have a very successful and significant life. My man, thank you so much for coming on on board, brother. And, and it was a pleasure having you on. Juan, I enjoyed it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I enjoyed being here. Reach out to me at viewfromthetop.com. I would love to connect with you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Aaron Walker. If you want to learn more about Aaron, you can go to wordstosuccess.com under episodes and all of his links are there. Hope you guys keep crushing it. Keep being you. Spread peace and love. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Familia. Vamos. 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 Vamos.